the way my cancer was formed, it was just a random mutation. Um, it wasn't something that was, you know, common in my family or things like that. Uh, it was just completely random, uh, which is wild if you, <laughs> you sit back and think about it. But, but some people, uh, you know, at, everybody's different where their body doesn't respond or, or the cancer is just a little more, you know, tenacious um, and, and grows at a much quicker rate. Um, you know, I, I feel lucky to have had the physical symptoms to put me in the emergency room to begin with. Um, because, you know, who knows how long it, it was actually just in my body, um, you know, and, and who knows how close we were to it being too late. Uh, so that's, you know, something I, I reflect on often and I'm very thankful for. But, um, you know, when when you're going through something like this, like I said, community is community is everything. Um, and even just being there as best as I could for similar folks in my position. Um you know, to try and be positive to them as well. And, you know, whatever happens, happens here, but, you know, we're, we're going to have a good time. Okay. If we're going to be positive. We're going to, uh, we're going to try and bring some, bring some joy to some people's lives. And, and hopefully I was able to do that. My name is Jacob Trigo go by Jake uh, more commonly, but live in Ohio, just living the dream, man. Uh, I'm just a happy-go-lucky guy, and for some reason, you asked me to do a podcast with you, and and I'm here to have a good time. I'm here to uh, shed some layers, uh, tell some truths, and kind of tell a little bit about my story the last, you know, specifically the last year, but grew up in uh, southwestern Ohio, just outside of Dayton, Ohio, a little town called Brookville. Uh, lived there for 16 years of my life, uh, moved in the middle of high school to Chillicothe, Ohio, went to a, a school down there and then um, found my way back to Ohio after going to school in Indiana and living in Illinois for a little bit. So uh, it's good to be home. Good to be back in the Buckeye State. We're here, Bob. We're here. Could be one of the most nonchalant introductions ever. I, Like I said, we're going to peel the layers back. I didn't say how quick we were going to peel them, but... Uh, that's true. But, but yeah, uh, so. So I first got introduced to you probably almost three months ago now. Yeah, three months ago, a buddy of mine from from college uh, actually reached out to you, um, told you a little bit about my story, what I'm doing, and uh, we, we touched base from there. Uh, I've just recently gotten into the game of golf over the last year, and that's become a, a huge therapy for me, and I think I can, I can divulge in that later, you know, tell a little more why, but um, falling in love with the sport, falling in love with what you guys are doing. So, uh, happy Ryan shout out Ryan for, for making that connection for us. Yeah, truly appreciate Ryan. I think it's, there's been lots of little moments like that since I started this thing. Yeah. yeah. I've met these incredible people, you being one of them. And I say that to your face and behind no, your back. So thank you, man. I just appreciate want you to know that, but appreciate it's, it. uh, yeah, it's been crazy. And honestly, in honor, you know how much I enjoy our chats and getting to know each other. But Absolutely, man. What was Jake like as a kid? Whoa, Jake was was a wild child. Um, he grew up out in the country, uh, so so every tree was climbable. Um, the imagination ran wild. I spent uh, three years of my childhood uh, thinking I was Indiana Jones. Um, you know, I, I watched those films with my dad when I was a young buck, and uh, from then on, I had a, a rope on the belt, and I took one of my sister's old purses and. 
made it into a satchel uh, and just carry my trinkets around, uh, just going on adventures. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up in a very uh, a loving, supportive family. Um, I, I have an older brother and a twin sister. Uh, they're, they're much smarter than I am. Uh, I, I got by on on bronze more than brain, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but yeah, I had a great childhood, man. Uh, just um, parents gave us the freedom to just explore and, and, and be ourselves and be creative. Uh, my father was a musician. Um, he, he taught band for 25 years. So uh, music was always pumping in the house. And so I was always singing songs and, and writing little jingles in my head. And uh, yeah, just it, it, we had a great environment to just be creative. Um, and, and really kind of come into our own personality. So, yeah. So that's where the music came from. Yeah, from, for sure. Was your mom musically like gifted as well? Uh, mom can can hum a tune. Uh, my my sister, God love her, can't carry a tune in a bucket. Uh, and I know she's going to hear this and, <laughs> and be upset, but I'm willing to take that risk. Uh, Sometimes it, the world needs a little bit more truth every once in a while. And I'm sorry, I'm sure she's a lovely lady. But. Uh, she, she's she's top of the line. Uh, she's one of a kind, um, but it, it is funny because we are twins, and 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 the difference in in, in the music and and the skill is just night and day. Uh, God love her. Uh, my brother uh, plays guitar. Um, he's, he's pretty talented as well. But uh, really, my, my dad is the big credit for that. Uh, just exposing me to all kinds of different music. Most kids grew up listening to. Uh, I grew up in late '80s, early '90s uh, as a young buck, and. Um, you know, most of those kids were listening to nineties and new kids on the block and things like that. But, uh, with dad, I was listening to fifties and sixties and seventies and, and really got a taste for, uh, you know, all kinds of music. Um, and that's just where that came from. He's, he's always been, you know, he beats the, he beats to the, walks to the beat of his own drum. Like my, my dad and I are spitting images of each other. Just we're goofy guys. We love to have fun. We do take things serious, but, um, yeah, he, he's definitely the one that instilled in me, you know, you know, find the music you like and, and don't be ashamed of it. So when you're a kid, obviously he's as a music teacher, he can he can play everything. He can read everything. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's not anything that creates sound that he doesn't know how to how to use or at least as probably yeah. a master of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he went to uh, the University of Dayton on a on an oboe scholarship. Uh, he was the drum major out there. Uh, yeah, like shout said, out to the Obos. Yeah, never get enough love. Never. I, you, you never hear a kid go, "Yeah, I want to be an oboe player." You know, they exactly. usually they usually fall backwards into it. But uh, yeah, Dad, Dad's super talented uh, when it comes to especially woodwind instruments. Um, he still rocks the flute at the Christmas service. A little two step with him. He's 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 one of a kind, man. He's awesome. Uh, he, he goes by the nickname Captain Weird. Uh, that's one of his. Uh, alter egos from the uh, from before I was born. I won't get into too many stories as to why they called him that, but he's always been just, uh, he, like I said, walks to the beat of his own drum, and and, and I took after that. I, I grabbed that and ran. So, uh, so grew up singing. When, I guess when did you start playing instruments then? Um, really not until later in life. I, I did the band route. I played, uh, you know, tuba and baritone. and Right, but before that, you band, probably but, started on a recorder or whatever. Yeah, and then- yeah. Once yep. you finally got into instruments, what did you choose? Uh, the first string instrument I, I chose uh, was the ukulele uh, because it was a lot easier to play than the guitar. And how old was this? <laughs> uh, this wasn't until I was in college. Uh, really, up until that point, I would just do you know choirs and things like that. But um, and then, like, you, did you take 
was your dad like your high school band teacher? So, so no, my, my dad was, uh, by the time I was in middle school, he was actually my principal. So, so dad was, uh, was a band director for a number one, a number of years, went back to, um, got his master's and doctorate from, uh, Miami of Ohio, um, and into higher education. So my dad's been a substitute teacher. He's been my principal. He's been my superintendent. Um, <laughs> he suspended me one time for fighting. So no way. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Who'd he call in to like sit you down and be like, yo, Jake's been a really bad kid. Your mom was sitting next to you. No, I mean, he, we had to talk and took me home and left me there for three days. <laughs> so, so pretty, uh, pretty wild, wild times. So I, I it's pretty cool. Uh, not every kid can say that it, it's cool in its own way, but it also can be a burden sometimes when, you know, your, your dad is the ultimate authority authority in the school that you're at. But yeah, I'm sure there's weird situations. I'm sure that's not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's plenty more. It, it was kind of cool though, because, you know, after school, you know, most of the kids went home, but if I didn't have a practice, whatever, I got to run the halls and, and go through the lost and found and, go mess around <laughs> in the school right. building and, and uh, a lot, a lot of leeway there, but uh, yeah, it was cool, man. Uh, it was cool to have him around because, because he worked a ton. Um, he, he worked a lot. So we didn't always get to see him at home. Uh, mom was, uh, she stayed home with us, but um, you know, getting to be around dad at work was, you know, having him there in some capacity was really cool. I can only imagine what that's like. I think there's a, you know, a kid that I grew up with, he was a grade older than me, small town in Montana, but his mom was like our, I remember being like our elementary school principal. And then when we moved up to middle school, she got a, the, you know, the middle yeah. school principal job. Yeah. And I remember always sitting there thinking like, wow, it's so weird. Like, what, what do you do when you get in trouble? What do you do on parent teacher conference days? Like, that's what I worry about. But for that, for him, that's almost every day. Yeah. 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 Talking to teachers. yeah. Most, most parents wait a couple months before they have that talk with the teachers. But you know, if, if I had it about every other night. So <laughs> yeah. So did you get good grades? I got decent grades. I think high school, high school came pretty easy to me. Uh, you know, yeah. I got by. You know, but then in college, uh, I went to Indiana Wesleyan University out in Marion, Indiana, and um, it, by no means was it a party school or anything like that. But I was, I was a social butterfly, and it took me. <laughs> It took me five years to get a bachelor's, which is always fun. I had, I think, five or six different majors. I ended up uh, getting a degree in the first major uh, that I chose. So, uh, you know, I went anywhere from music to criminal justice to, you know, general studies for a bit. Right. And and my brother and my sister are, are very intelligent. They both have, you know, uh, higher degrees than bachelor's. They all went back to school and, and, and dad dad kind of sat me down one night and he's like, I, you know, I, I know this isn't for you. I, 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 we want you to get through it, you know, just find a way. And, uh, that was my, my fifth year of school. Um, leading up to that, dad would call me. He's like, we got to get your grades up. We, you know, we gotta, we gotta get that GPA up and things like that. And the last phone call, like six months before graduating, he's like, yeah, man, just graduate. Like, <laughs> just, get, just get it there. Just, That's just all we're asking you to is just, just get to the finish line. We don't care what is that. We just need the piece of yeah, paper. Yeah, just, just finish, man. Just okay. You got it, Paul. You know, and then put on your bootstraps and go. So, so, uh, so your twin sister. Where did you guys go to the same college? No, she, uh, she flew the coop. Um, she went to uh, Roberts Wesleyan up in in Rochester, New York, um, and then she got her her masters 
up there somewhere, I believe, as well. Uh, we so it only took her 18 years to get away from you. And then yeah, she tried to get as far away from you as possible. Once it's like, hey, we graduated high school. She's like, see ya. Yeah. I was like, I'll, I'll go an hour and a half away. So I, I've always kind of been a homebody. Uh, you know, I, I like staying close to him. But yeah, she, she was gone. Dan, uh, my brother, he, uh, uh, he took a different route. He got married really young. He got married at 20. So did the community college for a bit and then uh, got his undergrad and master's from, from Michigan State. And he's up there. He's been teaching up there for the last eight or nine years. So uh, that's, where, uh, that's where we get to go green. So I'm a Spartan living in Buckeye country right now, but um, it's fun. Yeah, I've, I'm my wife's a Buckeye grad too. So, oh really? Yeah, we're just yeah, there's two or three days a year. We're just it, it's tough. It's yeah, tough. I, I <laughs> still imagine. So, uh, did you play sports as a kid? Yeah, uh, pretty athletic. Um, you know, grew up playing soccer, basketball, um, tennis, baseball. You know, really anything I could I could do to pass the time. Tried cross country for about a week. Uh, gave that up for uh, religious reasons, and I hate running, and I, I think it's a terrible activity. I don't think anyone needs to do it. Um, it's, it's horrible. And I, <laughs> but yeah, I, I grew up playing sports. Um, basketball was kind of my, kind of my my ringer there. Um, it took me a while to grow into my body. I was a tall kid. I'm six four, six five, but I think I graduated high school at maybe a buck sixty five. So um, was an interesting uh, growth spurt there. But basketball was was always my first love. Um, you know, soccer was really just to keep me in shape. I think, you know, when they, they reference goons in hockey, that's what I was in soccer, you know, don't mess with our guys or I'm just going to run into you as fast as I can and probably get a yellow card. So, yeah, I don't understand this either. Cause you say you hate cross country because of the running, but soccer, it seems like all you do is run. Well, it was more short, short burst. And, and really the finish line was just hitting someone. Uh, whereas, you know, cross country, it's not a very, no contact, you know. Right. So, well, maybe yeah, some elbows. A long ways away. It's it's too far. Uh, I think if you you knock it back to maybe just a half mile, fine. More kids will do it. But when you get in the two miles, three miles, I, I think you're asking too much, you know. All right. So after your illustrious soccer and, and short time cross country career, and you yeah. go, finally go off to college, you're there for five years. Yeah. Is this where the band started? Uh, so I, I started a, a little folk band, uh, my fifth year of school, uh, our, our name was brave at sea. Uh, and that's really when like Mumford and sons and, you know, all those other kind of folky sounds were, were starting to kind of make a turn and become more popular. So, um, that was, uh, that's what we did. We, we had a, a little bit of success, you know, but just, you know, doing a little college stuff, uh, pretty, uh, Pretty cool scene to play some music at the, at the university we were at. We played a little bit in indie, things like that too. But um, but music kind of, they went their separate ways, you know, after, after we all graduated. And, and I still had all these songs uh, that I'd been writing. And um, I, I actually moved to Illinois after I graduated to live with my college roommate and just kind of uh, see the world, I guess. And uh, that world ended up being Decatur, uh, which is, uh, you know, that's all I needed. That's... <laughs> It's almost too much. It's almost overwhelming uh, how beautiful that landscape is out there. But, um, but no, writing music. I, I was I was writing songs all the time, and uh, I got in contact with with an old buddy from back home, uh, Dan Severs, and uh, uh, I reached out to him. I said, "Hey, I've got these songs." His his dad owned a studio. Um, you know, he was he was good at recording, good at mastering and producing. So, 
I reached out to him and said, Hey, I got these four or five songs. I'd love to track. Um, if you're free, he's like, yeah, absolutely. So I'd commute back from Illinois to Dayton just about every other weekend for three, four months. And, um, you know, Dan and I started playing together and, and he's an excellent, excellent, uh, instrumentalist. And, um, you know, we just kind of tacked on, um, and, and we stuck together and, and we decided to kind of make it a thing. Uh, we've been playing together for 10 years now. So, um, pretty cool, uh, to see it evolve to where it is now. Um, you know, just kind of starting with, you know, three or four songs and now we build up a, a pretty decent catalog and, um, a couple full lengths, a couple EPs. And so, yeah. And like a, a real cool sound. Yeah. I think that's the, the most important thing that I found about it is that it it's incredible lyrics, but you're just not another guy that's just throwing some, some songs up on Spotify. Like, yeah, your yeah, voice, thank you. Thank you it, it's, it resonates. Yeah. So where, when you guys first started mm-hmm. and the band, yeah. Has the band name always been you're the Buffalo? Yeah. Yeah. It's always been you're the Buffalo. Uh, we, we got to a point where we booked a show, we had a gig and they didn't know what to call us. And, <laughs> and we were in the studio. Uh, we were actually drinking, I think some Buffalo trace at the time. And I was like, man, let's just, let's just go with you're the Buffalo. Seems like a good year. I think we could rock with it. And, uh, Dan's like, yeah, let's do it. And, and that's just the way, the way it's been. It, I wish there was a cooler story, but that's just, that's kind of how Dan and I do things. We just, you know, we, we get along really, really well. He's one of my best friends and we're always just kind of goofing off and giggling and, and we got all these inside jokes and it, it just kind of worked out. We, we, same way we write our music too. Like I'll, I'll write the lyrics and I'll write the bones of the song and I'll just take it to Dan and say, Hey, let, let's see what we can build off of this. And, and he'll put a bunch of layers on it and, and, and to this day, we haven't had really a single disagreement on how we want a song to sound or or we want it to change after someone's done something to it or things like that. It's just been a it's a really wholesome environment. It's a really just natural thing for us to to write music together and play together. So you guys started doing this collaborating, figured out a pretty good groove of how you're going to work this band and kind of get it going. Yeah. But what what were you doing? What were you doing out of college? What were you? How were you making money? We know where you were living, but yeah, uh, just finding whatever job I could. <laughs> I was living in a basement, uh, sleeping on some bunk beds uh, from my my buddy's childhood home. <laughs> and I'm I'm six four, so my feet, my ankles were hanging off. You know, it's 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 not cool to be twenty two and be like, hey, you want to come hang out at my place and let me show you my room? And it's a, a bunk bed with another man underneath. So. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, just working every kind of job. I worked in kind of a social work case management gig for a little bit in Illinois out there. I worked at a summer camp, uh, throwing dodgeballs at kids, which was the time of my life. Um, if, if you've never played a game of dodgeball versus six and seven year olds, you, you've not lived. Okay. I'm, t- I'm telling you, especially when their parents come in to pick them up, they see you smash them in the face with dodgeball. They're cheering you on. It's, it was a great time to be alive. Um, but yeah, I kind of worked my way back to to Columbus, Ohio. I was looking for work to get back closer because I knew music was was something that we wanted to do, um, something we really wanted to pursue. So, oh man, I've worked I've worked everywhere. I worked in a shoe factory. I worked as a well, what type of shoes are you making? Uh, so it was it was running shoes basically up here in Columbus for a little bit, just a distribution center here, and then I worked in a law office as a legal secretary for a minute. 
and which was great because so you're a lawyer basically uh i know the law <laughs> and uh i'm willing to defend anyone who needs representation uh but that was a joke because i mean i I wasn't making any money. I had one pair of dress pants that were light blue. And and as I wore them every single day, they would just get lighter and lighter and lighter. I'd wear a flannel shirt with a tie, you know. Are you, uh, are you at this point in your life where you're taking that stuff to dry cleaning every night? Or are you just washing, ironing maybe once every two weeks and calling it good? Yeah, I don't. Laundry is such a blur. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> something I've never been good at. Um by any means, but, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm lucky to, you know, not really care what other people think as far as like the way I look or the way I dress or, or the way I write or, or just really present myself. It, it takes a lot of energy, you know, to, to care about what other people think of you. And I learned from an early age, just like, you know, I'm going to be unique. Uh, I'm going to be different and that's fine. And, you know, let's embrace it. Let's run with it. Um, but, you know, kind of back to the job situation. I, again, odd jobs. I worked in pet food manufacturing for four years. I worked for a company that made digital interfaces for cars. I would solder uh, parts together and, and, you know, ship things out. Um, but I was always looking for the next opportunity to make a little more money. Um, you know, cause I met my wife when I moved to Columbus at a show. Uh, she was my first uh, and only groupie and it, it really worked out she's gonna hate absolutely hate that i said that but i mean it's what happened um, so how, how old were you at this time uh, i was it's maybe 24 at this time uh, 24 25 when when i met Rosalind and uh and you said a show so you guys must have enough songs that you're comfortable enough to yeah rent out a space or beg for a, a time slot somewhere yeah, we, we've been really lucky to play, you know, some cool places in Columbus. And, you know, folks that, that listen to this from this area, we, we played a, we met at a place called Scully's, which is on High Street, um, just kind of south of campus and, or maybe north of campus. I don't know, directions are hard, tough, but, um, you know, played a place at the Bluestone, uh, which a bunch of, you know, national acts come through. We've, we've opened up for some really cool national acts. We've opened up for a Grammy winner. Um, I don't remember their name. I think they only won a Grammy for their album artwork, which apparently you can, you can do. So I don't think they're very good, but the, keep, the album, keep the album in your back good. pocket. You never know. Yeah. The, the guy who designs all of our stuff for us, he's like, if I win a Grammy before you guys, you know, we're, we're going to be in trouble. And uh, <laughs> I said, I'm all for it, man. But so what, was, what was the first song that you guys wrote and then recorded and started playing at shows that really was resonating with people? Man, I'm just thinking back on the first EP. There's a song called "Run River Run." Um, it's 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 a six or seven minute song. It's it's a lot. You're not going to hear it on the radio because they don't play songs over three and a half minutes. But it, it was the first real song where you know it, we just really found a groove and we we really found a sound. And and the rest of that album is just kind of kind of banking off of that. Um, and and we've done you know I. I grew up listening to classic country. Um, I grew up listening to, you know, Merle Haggard and Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash and those guys. And, and I love the way that they can lyrically, you know, write a song. You know, I, uh, I struggle with, you know, opening up, I think to people, uh, kind of getting that extra layer, but, but if I can stand on stage and, and sing what I'm feeling, then, then that's the way I'm going to do it. 
you know, that's the way I'm going to really tell the story. Um, but yeah, Run River Run was was a was just a fun song to play. That's a fun song to sing. It's um, and like you said before, the, you know, my voice is a little different than other people, and uh, our sounds a little different than other people. And and we've always just had really great feedback from folks, um, and and just a loyal following too. You know, ever since we you know started playing together. So, Run River Run. Where'd the lyrics from it come from? Man, I think, I think the back and forth drives from from Illinois to to Dayton. You know, I spend four hours in the car one way. You know, eight hours in the car the whole weekend. And and what I like to do is not turn on the radio, not turn on music, and you know, just my my brain works in songs. I see something that I, whether it's a stupid little jingle that I'll write about something, or or I'll get a chorus from something. That's that's usually how the framework starts. And um, you know it. it Every song that I've written starts with two lines or three lines and I sit on it for six months, you know, until I understand or, or try to begin to understand why I felt that way at that time or, or what's relatable in my life to, you know, why I came up with this, you know, this chorus or, or this or this lyric. So um, every song starts literally with maybe just a line or two and then and it sits and, and, and really until I sit down with the guitar and kind of pick through it and, um, you know, what, what inspires the rest of it. I, I'm not sure. I'm still trying to figure that out. I, I don't want to figure it out because, you know, it, it's, there you go. The way, the way it happens, it's just, it, it's just really organic. So. The night skies. So that's where we started. Yeah, yeah. And you absolutely. guys picked up some momentum pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, I, it's a, it, it's a, it was a new sound for people. You know, it, it still kind of fit in that that folk genre, but uh, I think it was just so different than what they were used to hearing. Um, and actually, that's the first I've heard that song in a while. And I, I don't know if it's selfish to say it gave myself 
goosebumps, but like, you, you know, a lot of memories come back from that time uh, for sure. Um, but it's, uh, it's just special. I'm, I'm just, I'm lucky, man. I'm blessed to, to be able to play music with, with people that I love and people that I trust and, and people that I know have my best interests as, as well. And it's not something that Dan and I are like, we're going to get famous and we're going to tour and we're, we're going to make a lot of money. It's like, no, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to play music with my best friend for the rest of my life. And that to me is, you know, priceless, absolutely priceless. So you were now in Columbus, mm-hmm. got new gigs lined up, new job, got a new lady. Mm-hmm. And what, how do you guys, I mean, what's the goal here? Well, obviously everybody wants to go big, but how are you going to do that from Columbus, Ohio? I think it's, I think it's being consistent. I think it's, you know, you know, always having the drive to write and, and, and not rely on what we did before to get us through, you know, that next hoop. Uh, I think we need to evolve a little bit and, and you'll hear that as you listen to our newer stuff, you know, the older stuff is totally different than, than what we're doing today. It's, it's more of a, a swampier sound. There's more gruff to it. I think there's, um, we found a way to really transition from, uh, you know, the, the older tunes are, are a lot happier. Um, you know, we, we were young, we were uh, living life the way we wanted. And, and, you know, we didn't have a ton of life experience. And, and, and the last, you know, album or so is, is, is totally different. You know, we, we've, we've gone through some things, you know, separately or together in, in our personal lives that, that affect everything that we do now. And, um, for Dan and like I said for myself, this is this is the best way for us to communicate those things, to get it off of our chest, to um, you know, kind of send it out and, and just you know, if people want to gravitate to it, that's fine, absolutely. But um, it, it's not about you know. <laughs> I guess this is the most unmusician thing about me is like, again, it's it's not about notoriety, it's not about making money. It, it never has been, you know if if I can't make music, if I can't write songs and you know, what the hell am I doing? You know, I, I feel like that's you know, a gift that was given to me in some capacity by, by whoever, um, you know, and, and it would be selfish for me to, to just hold on to it for myself. And um, so it, it's, yeah, it's never about fame or fortune. It never has been, you know, I'm a simple guy. I, I don't need money to make me happy by any means, you know? So, but, yeah, it's it's constantly evolving, you know, the music. What was that kind of the next song that sticks out to you that was kind of like, whoa, this is catching on? Um we did we did a little EP. We called it the Wolf Moon Sessions. Um and there's a tune on there called Heartbreak King. And um I I've always loved, like I said, some some classic country artists and you know, Jimmy Dean and, and Marty Robbins and, and those guys, they would write, you know, gunslinger ballads, um, which was, you know, cowboy songs. Right. And, and, and I've always, I've always loved that. You know, I, I grew up thinking I was Indiana Jones thinking I was, you know, a cowboy, you know, things like that. So, you know, challenging myself to, to write a song that tells not necessarily a story about me. I mean, there, there are some aspects of the tune that are about me, but it's just more of a, you know, time to conquer something time to, you know, let's get in a fight and let's win, you know, situation. And, and we kind of mix up the sound a little bit too. It's a lot more twangy. So it's yeah. Heartbreak King is, is always been a fun one uh, for sure. 
So, so what was different from your guys' first EP to where you guys are at now with Heartbreak King? I think we were, we were getting better. Um, I think we were uh, really meshed well together and, and, and we, we had the availability of the studio and, and, and every instrument you hear on these albums outside of the acoustic guitar is Dan. He plays electric, he plays bass, he plays drums, he mixes, he masters, he produces everything. He's, he's just an uber talent. And, and the fact that, you know, he said yes to play music with me. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm honored. I'm constantly honored to, you know, to play music with him. So uh, we spent a lot more time in the production aspect of this one. Um, you know, the, the earlier EPs and album are, you know, very folk based. So you got your guitar, you got your mandolin, maybe a banjo and, and you know, some rhythm. Um, but, but these are, you know, let's, let's turn up the, turn up the dial a little bit. Dan's musical influences were a little different than mine. He grew up on, you know, classic rock, but a little bit harder rock too. And, um, so, so getting to blend those together, uh, it has been fun, but yeah, that's that, you know, we, we want to get better every time we put out music. You know, I think if we start putting out music just to put it out, um, without really any love or effort, then that would be the time to call it quits, you know, and, and we're not ready to do that by any means. All right. Heartbreak King. This is what I'm talking about right here, though. A little baritone guitar. Who's got a shaker in there? Yeah, he's I doing that. some shells or something. Yeah, we got some. We got all kinds of percussion instruments down there. <laughs> we played. Yeesh. Yeah. sucker for the whistles i did whistle on that one it took more takes to do the whistle than the actual singing (laughs) (laughs) well your walk was tall and your lean was mean that's the way that it's always been All right, so Heartbreak King and that, the Wolf Moon Sessions, mm-hmm. 
you guys clearly are at a different spot. You're learning how to produce things better. You're, you're understanding different, coming up with better lyrics just because of life and what's exposed you're exposed to and what is throwing at you. Mm-hmm. Are you still playing the same shows, the same gigs or what, what are you guys doing? Is it still very local or now you're like, wait a second. Yeah. It's, it's primarily been local. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll float around in Indiana, Ohio, things like that. A lot of Dayton, Cincinnati, Columbus um, kind of gigs. And, and honestly, Ohio's a great spot to, you know, to play live yeah. music. It really is. Um, but, so when was that, when did you guys put that out? Uh, we put the Wolf Moon sessions out probably three or four years ago. Um, just after we, we did a full length a year or two before. Um, and then, then the Wolf Moon sessions came about about a year or two after, I believe. Um, and what's kind of the feedback between your guys' social media, YouTube, Spotify, versus where you, where you guys live where where your friends are at and everybody else that's listening to it is there a big difference or does that just give you guys a bigger I, reach it it definitely helps it's it's definitely a bigger reach i mean we uh right now everyone's doing their spotify wrapped <laughs> over you know what they listened to over the last year and as a band we you know we our music's been played for over forty thousand hours in the last year that's in, incredible in 96 different countries and and I mean, who, who would have thought, you know, and, and it's, it's by no means, you know, you know, it's an impressive accolade for sure. We're, we're definitely thrilled about that. And it means that it can grow so much, you know, with social media. So, so having a presence on social media, you know, having, you know, Spotify's and, and putting everything on Apple music and all those platforms too um, has been huge for us because honestly, in the last two years, we, we played maybe one show, you know, just because of other things going on in life. But um, you know, the show's definitely backed off. We wanted to focus more on, on, on the studio and, and, and getting better and, and, and writing better songs. Um, because you can, you can go play some of these shows and still make 20 bucks as a band. You know, uh, there's some gigs where honestly weddings are where it's at. If you, <laughs> if you want to be a successful musician, uh, play weddings, cause then you'll get paid for it. Um, but yeah, it, it, when in our younger days, we said yes to everything. Can you do this show? Absolutely. We'll pay you in hot dogs. Great. I love hot dogs, <laughs> you know, but, but now as we've gotten older and, and we know what we have and we know what we're capable of, we're, we're definitely more selective, um, you know, with how we represent ourselves and, and how we decide, you know, what kind of shows we're going to play and, and who we're going to play for. And, um, and that can come off as selfish, but it's, you know, we know what we're capable of and, and, we know what we're worth. I think, for, not from a you know a money standpoint by any means, but um, you know we, we value our product and, and and we care about it. So what did I guess? When did you guys get married? Uh, Roz and I got married in 2015, um, May of 2015. So we've been together just a shade under seven years. So what was the the latter? part of your guys' 20s like you're just working living yeah just living uh, that newlywed life writing music and and enjoying yourself that's it man i mean i still kind of working odd jobs the first year or two of our marriage um and then i started working uh like i said earlier in pet food manufacturing so uh, i'd work a 
a swing shift down at the factory, work a, a week of first shift, a week of second shift, a week of third shift, and then you're off for four or five days and did that for about two years. So I got into a day job there and um, the money was great and, and helped take care of, you know, a lot of things, um, but just wasn't happy <laughs> by any means uh, at, at that job. But uh, luckily I found something, you know, just down the road from us here where we live and uh, manage uh, a small roofing company uh, up here in Columbus. So, um, but, and love the work family there, love the environment. I finally feel, you know, excited to actually go in and, and work. And, and that's been a, it's been an interesting balance because uh, a lot of musicians just pack up and, and hit the road and, and live from show to show. And, and, but, but Dan and I have, have been fairly successful <laughs> in our careers outside of music. And, and honestly, that's been more freeing to us in order to create more music and, and, and dedicate the time to, you know, putting out a, you know, a good album for people. And instead of, you, you don't have to, you don't have to hit the road, you know, like, like what you used to, I think, to really get your name out there, you know, with social media and, and those things, it's, it's a lot easier to, you know, still be home, you know, still have a life, still have a family, um, things like that. But, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, the, the first couple of years of the marriage are tough, uh, especially, you know, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm not the best communicator in the world. I like to like to bury him deep, deep down and, and not let anybody in for a while. But yeah, um, it's something we all struggle with, buddy. That's yeah. not just you. Yeah. So so working on communication, just, you know, I, I, I love my wife to pieces. She's the most incredible woman uh, I've ever met. And she she made me an honest man. And uh I'll follow her to the ends of the earth, brother. It's, it's without question. So, so just constantly working on, you know, what I can be better at as a husband, you know, as, you know, someday, a, you know, father, you know, I, I want to prepare ourselves for that too. So, uh, but she is, she is the most important thing in my life. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, and she's inspired a lot of tunes, a lot of happier tunes, um, you know, moving forward. So, um, and, and I tell her all the time, I, I would write love songs before I met her, but, but like they all made sense, you know, when she came into my life and, um, you know, it's easy to write a superficial sort of love song, things like that. But, you know, I, I, I wrote from a place of one day I'm going to feel this way. And, and eventually that day came and now we're, we're moving on to year seven. So, um, just blessed, man. Absolutely blessed. So as we continue to kind of roll into the last couple of years here. Yeah. I mean, COVID must have been tough just because the, I mean, the world shuts down, but mm-hmm. yeah. You know, how did, what, what, what did life look like for you then? Man, I, I was still, I was still working at the factory a lot, actually. Um, almost more than what I was before COVID, you know, just, you know, covering for folks on the floor who'd be out or, you know, pulling your weight here and just doing whatever, you know, really needed to get done. Um, you know, definitely the world shut down. And, and from a, a music standpoint, you know, Dan and I just determined, you know, this is where we get better as writers. Uh, this is where we we really focus on the next big thing and, and we dedicate, you know, all the energy we have that we can towards it. Um, we, we didn't need shows necessarily to to get us to that point. Uh, but, the, but the focus was, okay, you know, who knows how long this thing is going to go on. So let's just try to, you know, kick ass album that, you know, 17 songs that just melts people faces off. You know, it's, you know, that, that was the goal. And, and that's what we're continuing to do now. It's, it's 
it's been a two-year process. We've got we've got a good handful of songs. We're gonna we're gonna get in studio here soon. Um, you know, COVID obviously set some things back, and then obviously some health issues prolonged it another <laughs> another year. So yeah, so tell me about it. Yeah, the health issues. Walk, so, walk us through this because this is, I mean. This is kind of how we, we got lined up together, too. This so. is part of the story, but this isn't all of the story by any means. Yeah, absolutely. So in March of 2021, uh, I was uh, out of the blue diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Um, I had some some physical symptoms that, that led me to the ER, uh, some shooting pains and things like that. I thought I had a kidney stone to kind of run prior, the family. Prior so. to these symptoms that you're describing now, yeah. what physical ailments did you have? None, man. I was, uh, I was in good shape. Uh, I've always healed quick and well and, and uh, been athletic. And I, I mean, I would, uh, up before then, I would go play basketball and shoot hoops three, four nights a week, just, you know, at the park down the road, just staying active and uh, moving my body. And uh, I hadn't gone to a doctor in probably about 10 years prior, not even for, <laughs> it's probably my own damn fault to be honest with you, but you know, for, I felt good, you know, I, I felt great. Uh, I probably had a little too much beer weight on me at the time, but, but that's, uh, that's how life goes during a pandemic. But um, yeah, but before all this, I was, you know, in my eyes, clean bill of health healthy human being. So, so how old are you at the time? Uh, 33 at the time. So yeah. 33 years old in perfectly good health. Mm-hmm. Normal. What n- nobody would really think anything twice. Right. And we've had a, another story that's similar to this in Chris Hicks also dealing with, with colon cancer, but both yeah. kind of started the same way. And that's ultimately you guys got backed up and, and which is so normal. Yeah. yeah. And then next thing you know, a day turns into three turns into five and an incredible amount of pain. Yeah, absolutely. It was, yeah. Backed up is, is the nice way of putting it for sure. Um, you know, I, and in your head, you never think that worst case scenario, you know, you, uh, you don't realize how many commercials are on TV for cancer until you have cancer, you know, every other, uh, it's, it's incredible, but yeah, no, I was, I was, I was in a tremendous amount of pain. Um, I actually went to an urgent care, uh, about two days prior and they thought I had a uh, irritable bowel syndrome, um, which ultimately was not the case. Uh, so <laughs> two days later, I was still in a pretty significant amount of pain. So we went to the ER that night and, um, they, they did some scans and the lady said, Hey, we, we found something where we got you a bed at the hospital. You guys need to go there now. Uh, okay she she didn't use the the c word um she just said we found something you get you gotta get there so i went to the hospital that night and uh they put me on some pain drugs just so i could sleep a little bit and feel a little comfortable and then i just remember waking up and um the surgeon was in there and he said hey you've got stage four colon cancer you have a mass in your colon it's spread to your liver and uh i think the first i don't know when maybe it's arrogance, but the first time it's like, you have stage four colon cancer. So I was like, well, shit, am I going to die? You know, like that's, it was a legitimate thought, you know, that I had. And it was, uh, it's like, damn it. I'm, I'm 33. Like I don't have kids yet. Like I, I've only, been, I can't leave. You know what I mean? And it's, right. it's, it's tough. It, it, it 
but I was also on a lot of drugs at the, <laughs> at the time too. So I don't know how escalated those thoughts might've been, but, but he's like, but you're young. We're going to fight this. We'll get through it. And I said, okay, all right. I, I trust you. And, and it, he ended up being a great Dr. Reese down in Columbus. He's, he's just an incredible man. He's, he was my surgeon. He, he was with me through all four or five surgeries I had. Um, so, but, so from the time of diagnosis, what was the plan from there? Yeah, the plan. So um, I went into surgery that next morning. Uh, they they cleared, you know, all the blockage, um, and then they gave me a colostomy uh, bag. So uh, the option was to either do that and start chemo right away, or they could go in and get whatever cancer they could, but that would delay uh, me being able to get into chemo just from a healing standpoint after the surgery. So we went with the. Uh, went with the colostomy. Um, and, and the next week I was in a chemo chair, getting my first round of chemo, um, which, man, it, so it's all coming at you very, very fast. Yeah. How are you coping with all of this? Not just physically, but mentally. Physically was tough. Um, because I was so used to, I could rely on my body before, you know, I could, if I wanted to go, you know, play basketball all night. Sure. I'll go play basketball. If I want to, you know, get a workout in, if I want to go hike, if I want to go to this, like it wasn't a question, but you know, after that, that first surgery, like physically, you know, I, I couldn't sit up without somebody helping me. I couldn't walk 10 steps without having to sit down. And, and, um, but, but mentally, you know, I decided really early on that I was just going to be as positive as I possibly can uh, through all this, because, because you learn once, you know, your body's taken away from you. Like all you have is your attitude. All you have is your perspective. And, and so I decided then and there, I was like, you know what, like, I'm going to share my story. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be honest, but I'm going to be positive. You know, I'm not going to let, you know, this decide whether I get to be around or not. Um, so yeah, the, the, the first surgery was tough. The adjustment to the colostomy was tough. Um, I got a port uh, that's actually still in uh, for my for my chemotherapy. Uh, so port access there. Uh, it sits right on my collarbone. I feel it every time I move my arm. Um, it's just a constant reminder, but it's, you know, I wasn't ready to leave. I wasn't ready to write any sort of last chapter. And I wasn't ready for anyone to write that for me other than myself. Um, so, you know, we, we got, how, did the, how was the wife and family through it? Uh, Roz was and is an absolute rock. I mean, obviously it was tough. It was, I felt like my job was easy compared to hers because she had to communicate with family. She had to, take care of me. It, it, it started out as a husband and wife relationship and it easily very quickly became a caretaker, you know, patient situation, um, you know, where she's giving me showers and, you know, she's, you know, just giving me shots in my abdomen after one of my surgeries, you know, every night, like she, she's an absolute rock. And, and I can, I can tell you, and, and with, 100% assertion that, that like, if you don't have the community, if you don't have 
people that you can fall back on and, 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 and people that are in your corner through something like this, like it's tough, man. I, I got lucky. I got really lucky. I, I have a supportive family. I had friends who reached out. I had friends who just, you know, were there and, and, and cared. And so, so it, made it so much easier to fight my battle because I felt like I wasn't just fighting for myself. Like I'm fighting for my wife, for my family, for my friends, for the complete strangers who have supported me and, and um, throughout the journey. And it, I can't reiterate that enough. Like, especially if you know someone going through something similar, like reach out, let them know that you're there. Even if it's just a text or a call, you know, just to, you know, tell them you're thinking of them. You know, I, I never, once felt like I was completely alone through all this uh, at all. And, and that is just a huge blessing and um, something I'm, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for uh, from so many people. So you started chemo after that first surgery. Yeah. And then what did, what was the plan? What did they get you set up on? Yeah. You're doing it every, every other week, every once a month. Yeah. So I did, I did six rounds of chemo, uh, at every two weeks. Um, and that was in hopes to, to shrink, uh, as much as it could, but you know, the cancer and, and, uh, the mass in my colon and, and what was on the liver, uh, after those six rounds, uh, which was about June or so, uh, we, we met with the surgeon he said, Hey, uh, you know, after the scan is, you know, the chemo was working, everything shrank about 50%. Uh, which was huge. Um, so he said, we're, we're going to go in there. We're going to get everything. We're going to get the mass on the colon. Uh, they actually removed a, a portion of my liver uh, just because of all the spots that was in it. Um, and they reversed the colostomy as well, which was, you know, definitely thankful for that. So, um, but yeah, it, we, we got through that surgery. That surgery was really tough. Uh, I've got a scar that, you know, that runs about 18 inches down the middle of my abdomen. Uh, a couple other scars on there as well, but um, physically that was the most, most, uh, it was tolling, man. It, it, it took a toll on my body for sure. Um, you know, the first one was bad, but, but that, that major surgery and, and having, you know, I ended up having four surgeries uh, and four abdominal surgeries <laughs> over six months, you know, it sucks. <laughs> it's just yeah. really tough. You, you can't breathe. I think after that, that second surgery, I went back in a week later, they found, you know, 600 cc. So about 20 fluid ounces of water, of liquid on the lung too. So couldn't breathe. Um, so I had to get a procedure to, to get all that liquid out of there. And, um, just felt like I was staying in a hospital more than I was at home. And, um, from, so from, how'd you stay positive through it? Well, we, I, I mean, I know it's easy to look back now, but at yeah, the time, it's, it's, you wake up every day and it's a choice, man. And and you have to have that reminder, you know, every single morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be as positive as I can. If, if my body can't beat this thing, my mind will, I guarantee it. Um, and it, it's, it's just so much about mindset, man. It's, you know, I, I had an opportunity to, you know, I, I do a video every couple of weeks and just kind of, or do a post and just tell people like, here's what I'm struggling with. So letting people know, even if there's complete strangers, you know, on the Twitter and the Instagram, it's like, here's what I'm struggling with. And then just the feedback from people would be so supportive and so positive. It's like, okay, all right. Uh, my cup is full. Let's keep fighting this thing. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, not just family, but the incredible group of friends and, and supporters that 
yeah. rallied around you and really, I'm sure just showered with showered you with words of encouragement and support. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really, I mean, that's kind of my next question is, you know, I know Pat McAfee means a ton to you. Yeah. yeah. And, and the support that, that he and his guys have, have done for you is phenomenal. But where yeah. did that relationship kind of start? Yeah. It's uh, again, kind of going back to the jingles sort of thing. I started listening to their podcast and uh, his boys started a, a podcast called the pod where they just, you know, sit back and shoot the shit. And, and their first episode is like, we, we need an intro song. So I wrote them an intro song and, and they liked it and recorded it and, and used it. And, and, you know, it's just kind of grown from there. And, and those guys have, have been so great uh, to me and, and, and Pat, especially, you know, Pat's a busy guy. He's all over the map. He's everywhere. Uh, but, you know, he would take the time to text me, you know, once a week and be like, how are you doing? You know, we, we talk once a week. I, uh, before all this, uh, I wrote a song called Ohio River. Um, and it's, it's a pretty swampy tune. And, and Pat would share that on his show and, and got a lot of people kind of following us from that. And um, so the community was already there. You know, they were obviously supporting me through the music and things like that. But then, you know, when the cancer, um, when the cancer kicked in, I guess, you know, it, those guys were so quick to be like, what do you need? How can we help? You know, they they made shirts and sold it on their on their uh, website for their for the brand shirts. And I had a blue ribbon for colon cancer and they're like, you know, these proceeds are going to Jake Trico's family. And it, it, it blows my mind, the generosity that those those guys had. So I, yeah, I, Pat's a good dude, man. Pat and all those guys are just incredible guys. So. Won't hang low up in the sky. Streets run red with blood, and you know why. Cause they are coming, they're coming for me. They are coming. It was fast living in the money, too. How'd he get his hands on this song? Uh, so after I did the that pod intro song, I would write dumb little jingles about stuff they're talking about. And and really just after we recorded it, I sent it his way. I said, hey, check this out. And he's like, dude, this is this is a fucking banger. You know, and and just kind of went from there. Yeah, it's definitely a banger. Bury me deep in the water when did you guys write this Man, I, I honestly probably wrote that song. We were we were getting ready to play a show that night, and I just had a little chorus kind of happening, and we probably wrote it in about two or three minutes and, and played it that night at the show. Uh, I didn't have all the lyrics finished, but we just knew that 
But this was before COVID, before cancer. This was, yeah, right, right before COVID. Yeah, yeah, about the fall. So maybe October, November, uh, prior to 2019, I guess. Yeah. Do these lyrics change a little bit for you now? Uh, not necessarily on this song. Um, there, there's another one we put out uh, called "Hands That Bleed." That that one was a little more because Ohio River. It's it's really there's the whole song. It's a six minute song, but there's maybe you know eight lines of lyrics in it total. It, it's really a more of a you know a drive sort of song. It's it's you know, you focus on the chorus, you focus on the simplicity of it. I think, but uh, "Hands That Bleed" was was one that kind of stuck out a little more to me. It kind of meant a little more to me uh, just being trying to be more apparent and, and more, you know, around, I think when it comes to relationships with people um, and just kind of getting rid of the old, old ways a little bit and, and being a, a better human being. <laughs> when my days are done, I got wants and needs. I got hands that bleed Cause there are miles to feed More than one This old road I'm heading down again Like I'd always done before These old lies I tell myself again How this time it just means more I got H I got eyes that strain to see what I've gained in losing you. I can't sleep at night. I should have held you tight, thought I knew wrong from right, but that ain't true. This old road I'm heading down again, like I'd always done before. So lies I tell myself again Now this time it just means more Now this time it just means more It's a good solo So looking back on it, obviously I, yeah. I see what you're talking about now Yeah, it's just, just being present, man Not, I think as human beings, it's natural just to be complacent sometimes and, and, and settle for the lazy. Um, and I was tired of doing that. I got too comfortable, I think, with life. And um, that was one of those songs where it's just like, you know what? It's, I need to quit lying to myself because that's the first thing your mind tells you. It's like, no, it's fine. It's okay. We're comfortable. And, you know, I, it's not where I want to be. I, I want to be a place of, of challenge and vulnerability. And because, you know, in those moments, that's where you grow. That's where you, you know, you begin to overcome some things. And so we got through the four procedures. Moving through summer and kind of, you're still staying positive, but this is taking a toll on your body now. Yeah, for sure. And, and just going back and looking at, pictures of you still have the same smile on your face but there's a tremendous amount of weight loss yeah that you're you're clearly you know it's the the all the treatment is 
kind of beating beating you down? Yeah, I I got diagnosed. I was two forty, um, and I think at my lowest through all this, I was about one eighty five. Um, so I yeah, about fifty five pounds, and and honestly, thirty five or that dropped within two weeks of that first surgery. Um, so when you lose that weight so quickly, and then you go through chemo, and and chemo. I mean, for four or five days, I didn't want to eat a single damn thing. Like I couldn't, my throat would close up. I, 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 I had no appetite whatsoever. So it was just so tough to just get nutrition, um, and you know, put weight back on. So, uh, we, we met with a nutritionist actually, and she was like, I don't care what you eat, just eat. You know, <laughs> I was like, I like you. You're all, she's like, if you want Swedish fish, eat them. I was like, okay, great. Let's do it. And Roz had, a different opinion, but yeah, different ideas on that. I'm sure. Yeah. But I, I mean, since I've definitely cleaned up the diet for sure, I, I'm, I'm at a good spot now. I'm kind of back up to 210, 215. So definitely put some healthier weight back on, you know, not, not drinking beer, you know, things like that. But uh, most of that might have been beer weight, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's best weight loss program I've ever been on. It works. You're right. So the fall brought you into trying to get to the finish line of what your doctors believe will be the countdown. Yeah. Yeah. I, the last, last several rounds of chemo were tough because, um, and kind of describe it. Uh, you, you know, you're saying, yeah, I get a round of chemo, but yeah. there's a there's prep work that goes into it. There's you in the, you know, in the chair there, there's things you have to do when you come home and then there's, uh, you know, days and days of recovery afterwards right, before, right. by the way, we're going to start this whole damn thing again. Yeah. I, yeah. So the chemo rounds were, uh, I, I'd go to, uh, they have a, a chemo center in, in Dublin, Ohio. I'd go there and I'd sit in a chair for uh, anywhere from four to six hours, depending on, you know, if I'm getting also an iron infusion or if I'm getting hydration, um, just really depending on the levels uh, that I'd have. So I'd go in there, they'd access the port, they'd do blood work, they'd check the levels, you know, uh, and then we'd begin that round of chemo. So uh, you can feel it the instant, it, you know, it, it hits your body. Uh, it's a, it's a cold feeling. It, it It's hard to describe. I, I, I know some people that have kind of been in my shoes will understand, but it's, it's a cold, but like dark feeling when you feel it entering your body. And you're instantly your throat closes up. You know, I've, I've got, you know, neuropathy in my hands and my feet. I can't touch anything cold. I can't drink anything cold. Everything has to be room temperature. Um, you know, so, so after those four or six hours, I'm in the chair, I'm hooked up to a pump that's administering more chemo over the next 48 hours. Um, so I'm at home with a pump attached to my chest. Um, and really, I would spend that time just sleeping as much as I could to pass the time. Um, you know, I didn't have an appetite. I didn't have energy. Uh, so I would just sleep as much as I could and just try to get to Friday where they could unplug me. Um, and then still, um, I, I'd go, sorry, I'd go in on Wednesdays, start the process, get unplugged on Fridays. And I wouldn't have an appetite. I wouldn't eat a whole meal till probably Monday night or Tuesday the next day. Uh, so I, I'd go probably six or seven days just living on, you know, insure shakes um, and just nibbling, you know, on stuff that I could. So so the weight, you know, fluctuated um, and it was tough. It was physically it was tough. Uh, chemo is 
there's a whole psychological aspect to it too, because you, you finally start to feel right maybe 10 or 12 days down the road, but then in two days you're back in the chair. Uh, so you got to have, like I said, that positive mindset. You got to say, okay, let's just get the next one done and keep moving. Uh, because we know when we get through these, you know, these 12 rounds, we'll, we're going to be in a good spot, um, hopefully. So that was, man, chemo was, was a beast, man. And it's, and at, at times I almost feel selfish because, you know, I've met some incredible people that are in similar situations. There's, there's a buddy who lives, you know, down south who just completed his 100th and some odd round of chemo. And I only had 12. You know, I, I, I can't imagine, you know, just the toll that takes. So, you know. So what what's the difference in rounds? Why, it, why it, so many? It just, you know, everybody's different, you know. Uh, everybody reacts differently to things. And, um, you know, some people, unfortunately, you know, in my case, we, we did a lot of genetic testing and, and things to see, you know, um, is this hereditary? Is this, you know, where did this kind of come from? And, and, and the way my cancer was formed, it was just a random mutation. Um, it wasn't something that was, you know, common in my family or things like that. Uh, it was just completely random, uh, which is wild if you, <laughs> you sit back and think about it. But, but some people, uh, you know, at, everybody's different where, their body doesn't respond or, or the cancer is just a little more, you know, tenacious um, and, and grows at a much quicker rate. Um, you know, I, I feel lucky to have had the physical symptoms to put me in the emergency room to begin with um, because, you know, who knows how long it, it was actually just in my body, um, you know, and, and who knows how close we were to it being too late. Uh, so that's, you know, something I, I reflect on often and I'm very thankful for, but, um, you know, when, when you're going through something like this, like I said, community is community is everything. Um, and even just being there as best as I could for similar folks in my position, um, you know, to try and be positive to them as well. And, you know, whatever happens, happens here, but you know, we're, we're going to have a good time. Okay. We're going to be positive. We're going to, uh, we're going to try and bring some, bring some joy to some people's lives. And, and hopefully I was able to do that uh, with my journey for sure. And, and really we're not done yet. You know, I, I got the scans um, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving uh, that I was, you know, no evidence of disease. So had some really great scans, but um, a lot of anxiety still, we, we have another round of scans in three months and we'll determine if it'll be every three months or six months moving forward. So it's, it's not something that, you close the book and you walk away from it. It's, you know, it's always going to kind of be in the back of your mind. So, so what did you learn from this whole process? I think. Cause I'm sure, I mean, you had your day, you had your, yeah, your hell. Yeah. I'm cancer free. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we did it. Look at this journey that we've traveled. Yeah. And what, looking back on it, what, what did it teach you? It, it taught me to, appreciate so many things in my life and and to be thankful for so many things just small things too um it, i'm still trying to process to be honest with you it's it's you know there was a huge victory uh last week just before thanksgiving best thanksgiving i've ever had um and and it really opened my eyes to you know mindset is everything you know your, your body can be physically strong you're you know, I think that's how 
we determine or, or define strength, right? How much you can pick up off the floor and put it back down. But I, I think mental strength is, is tenfold of what your body's capable of. And, and so, so learning that, you know, the power of the mind and, and the power of focus and meditation and positivity and, and taking shitty situations and, and getting dealt cards that aren't fair, you know, cancer's not fair, <laughs> but you don't have time to, to sit back and be like, well, that's not fair. You know, it's like, all right, fine. That's the card. Let's play the hand, you know, let's move forward. So, um, I feel like, you know, I'm capable of anything. Absolutely anything, man. Um, maybe not physically. I can't drive a golf ball 350 right now, but uh, but my mindset, but my mindset is is I'm so focused on on what I need to be doing um, and continuing to try and be positive and, and share that light with other people and, and bring joy to other people. So uh, yeah, the outlook on life changed a little. Absolutely, absolutely. I. Like I just said, I've never been more appreciative for what I have. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a simple man, live by simple means. We've got a tiny little house and 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 that's all I need, man. I, I don't need the materials to make me happy. I, uh, I'm i blessed and, and just grateful to have a beautiful wife uh, who I love to the ends of this earth and who I know loves me. And I don't know, it. it's kind of weird to say, um, but... I would almost do it all over again because of how strong this made my family um, and not just my immediate family. Like, you know, just it, it brought us together um, even closer than what we already were. And um, I would, I would shoulder that burden any day uh, to have that same result. So um, yeah, man, I, I'm a blessed man. I, I, I know I say it a lot, but I mean it. I'm, I'm happy. I'm blessed. I'm, I love my life and, and I'm glad I'm still here to, to get to live it and, and be a husband and hopefully one day a father. And, um, yeah, I'm just very thankful. It's an incredible story. Thank you, brother. I'm very, 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 not only happy that I was gifted the opportunity to, to meet you and get to know you, but, you know, proud to call you a friend and a brother. Yeah. Same. That's not just coming from me. That's coming from all the guys and no laying up. And, you know, we've, we definitely appreciate everything that you do, what you stand for, what you do for us and being a, a, you know, an almost immediate representation of the community in which we try to build and, and grow and maintain. Yeah, absolutely. No, you guys, uh, you guys came into my life at the perfect time. Uh, I, I spent a lot of, like I said, a lot of hours in the chemo chair watching, uh, big Randy and Neil try to hit the mega bonus and uh, you guys are awesome man I, I, I'm very thankful for everything you guys you, whether you know it or not you guys have done a lot for me as well too uh, just you know get me through some of those, those darker times times where I'm just on the couch feeling like shit you know it's uh, it's nice to throw on a video and, and listen to a podcast from you boys so um, I'm here for whatever you guys need man well I appreciate that for sure are we missing anything buddy Anything else you want to cover? I will say I did get into golf this year, um, which is incredible. I can't believe that you never. I mean, I know you've like piddled around with it in the past, but I, it was truly like become a, a golf freak. Yeah, it was a uh, it, 
I would play once or twice a year. Uh, it was a beer drinking sport for me. I mean, it's, it still is, but yeah, you know, is. you know, one, once or twice a year. But then, you know, last year too, my, my buddy, Kevin, uh, he's like, man, if you played more than once or twice, like you'd be pretty good. I'm like, Oh, okay. And then, you know, after the surgeries and, and through chemo, you know, I, I couldn't go out and play basketball by any means, but uh, I could start to swing a swing a golf golf club and and a lot of the guys at work played, so I, I'd get out there and play with them. And you know, I was out driving guys with with a colostomy bag, so that was a big confidence boost. Uh, pretty cool to see, but uh, pretty embarrassing for them. But uh, yeah, I've fallen in love with it, man. Uh, I can't get enough of it. So playing as as much as I could this last summer, um, it's just been a a total therapy, you know, from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint, and just falling in love with the game. So, uh, right now, unfortunately, in Ohio, it's simulator season. So, see see what kind of trouble we can get into here. But looking forward to getting back outside and swinging the sticks a little bit. So, I know we got to get you down south. Can't you wait. need some warm weather in that life. I can't wait. I I mean, I I was on the simulator on you Monday. Even, you haven't even started winter yet, and you already can't wait to get out of it. I can't wait. I I got these uh these little plastic balls I hit in the backyard, um, and a buddy at work has a simulator too. So we played a, a beautiful course up in Canada on Monday. Elevation was peak. I was I was launching bombs. You're just crushing it. I yeah. I I I got a new. I finally got a new driver, and and uh, the carry on it's about two eighty two ninety right now. So, um. Yeah, every every workout before all this happened was like, let's get really strong and and buff up. But now I'm just like, let's do some core work. Like, let's really yeah. work on the rotational stuff here. So oh, yeah. it's it's a game. Like I said, with music, I'll get to play the rest of my life. Like this is a, I I won't be able to. I'm still a problem in pickup games and basketball for sure. But the knees are they're going to go someday. Where <laughs> where I think golf is a more uh, acceptable approach for me here. So. All right, so we know where you're going with the golf game. Yeah, and that's to the top. Full feet ahead. To the top, Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> Better watch out, boys. Uh, but music, what are, we, what are we working on? I know you got a plen- tons of songs that you guys are, are trying to get through the studio right now and, yeah. and wanting new stuff out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, busy time of the year with the holidays, but we've got, like I said, 14 or 15 tunes we're, we're going to throw on this new album. i uh, got a tune for you for this podcast, too, so... Um, pretty excited about that. Um, uh, but yeah, we're, we, man, I, I can't wait. You know, it, it's, it's once we're back in that creative space, you know, Dan and I used to spend all weekend in the studio, sleeping on the studio floor and just making music. And, uh, unfortunately we, we don't get to do that too often. Um, uh, but, but really dedicating, you know, some real time to, to putting out an album and, and almost like a, a victory album, you know, that's, that's kind of how I'm approaching it. You know, the songs are going to be, very different um, than what you've heard before. I mean, I, lyrically, I, I feel like I got a pretty good catch on my lyrics here, but there's the depth of this one's going to be just a little bit different. I think there's a lot more perspective to um, to encapsulate there. So, yeah, working on the full length, and then we'll we'll start getting back into some shows now that places are opening up and and see where that takes us. Uh, but yeah, the, I'm happy, man. I, I'm <laughs> I got a lot of things to look forward to. So. Uh, just very appreciative. This is it, the world debut. The this is not the master. No, we'll get there. But this is for this podcast. Just an old cowpoke. 
lines on his face. Each one tells a story of a troubled mind full of heartache and pain. From battlefields to glory, down It's a mountainous sky, a mirage river. Oh, it bends and winds and breaks. Where he found his calling to be an army ranger, a man who fights and stays. Don't The rage The rage The rage No cowpoke, story to tell about a love long gone. But when he speaks your name, his eyes dance like flame. Love still growing strong. So cool. You ever have another band write a song about you, Cody? <laughs> That's the first. <laughs> well, good. Absolutely love it, brother. Good. Appreciate it, man. I'm glad I could, glad I could be a part of it. Absolutely.